live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night, June 27th, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. Glad you're in. We are stocked and loaded tonight. The great David Zier sitting in with the boys tonight. Rick Delgado, Rick Amirati, Aaron, Fran, all the gang is here ready for a Tuesday night show. Glad you're here as well. Let's get right to it so I remember it, since I remembered it for once here. Let's do roll call oh, here in the time. chat. Shut up, Roll call. <laughs> roll call. Let's go. City and state where you're watching. If you're a first-timer, let us know. Put it in the chat right now. Uh, David Zier, this might be your first roll call that we started doing here on the show. How are you? I'm wonderful. Just got back from D.C., Faith and Freedom Coalition Conference, and yes, Michigan, covering we, Trump. We spoke to you there. I know you've got some great stuff to bring to us tonight. We're going to yes. get to all of that. Slick Rick's going to do sports as the roll call has started. Uh, Slick Rick, how are you? I'm doing good, Big D. How are you tonight? Very good. Lots to get to in sports. Busy day there as well. Rick Delgado uh, has got the news. What's going on? Yep. Uh, fresh from court. I feel like President Trump. I just got in court, and I won my case. It's all oh, good. very good. Yes. What was the uh, – you uh, espionage, or what was your deal? Uh, it was a little bit – you know <laughs> what? You I ran really a, yeah. Or you ran a stop sign. Yeah, I really can't really talk about the details of the case because there is some outstanding uh, litigation still to happen. Uh, but well, they're going to leak it, so don't worry about it. That's true. In theory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't have the front plate on my car. Oh, okay. Oh! But the honorary Judge Higgins. Oh. Okay, Judge Higgins, good. Who just won re-election. She's down. Congratulations. Is she now, let me ask you, did she seem like she's down with the words of the actual, like, uh, what what the law actually says? Like the text. Like, for example, if it says state legislatures, is she, was, was she if she said, like, is she down with, like, what the words actually say? Did she seem oh, like yeah. that? She's, she's that type of judge. Because that's a lost yeah. art nowadays, yeah. right. as we found out today. That's a lost art. No, she's, yeah. a, she's an actual judge. Okay. And I was in a restaurant today, the Tower Inn, uh, Dollar Hamburgers. What yeah. a great place. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, very good. What, <laughs> Jeff, baby? Um, so, yeah, I guess we're, I'm not sure words, I guess, don't mean what we think they mean now. As the, what's amazing about the Supreme Court, just stop with the arguments that we have a right-leaning Supreme Court, that the court's leaning right, the, the court is, oh, we're, it's a conservative court. Just stop all of that. Because as I've always said, we're always two justices away from a conservative Supreme Court. No matter how many con- conservatives are supposedly on the court, we're always two away. Even if it was nine nothing. Even if it was nine nothing, we'd be two away. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it's just here we go again. Now again, the, the, most of this is over my head to some degree, but I know how to read. I do know that, okay. and I know that I can read Article One, Section Four, Clause One. Of the federal constitution, and I can read that it says the words, this is the words, and I believe that's what the founders and the framers, when they went to Philadelphia, and then of course as the states ratified this, I believe they actually wrote what they meant. They put the words in for a reason. And the words in Article 1, Section 4 say the time, place, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature. Thereof. There, there are no other words there that I see. That there's no state court. I don't see state. It doesn't say state court. doesn't say anything else. Shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress may at time by law make or alter such regulations. Now, again, it says Congress 
may at time by law make or alter such regulations except as to the places of choosing senators. I can also go over to Article 3, Section 1, which we talked at at nauseum about leading up to and after the election in 2020, where it says each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled to in Congress. So I continue to come across the word legislature. I don't come across the word um, state court. I don't come across any other words other than legislature. But today we found out that that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) That that doesn't mean anything. As you have this ruling from the Supreme Court, and I'll just go, there's many, many articles here to go to, but I just uh, happen to see the one in the Wall Street Journal. Supreme Court upholds state courts' power to prevent gerrymanders. State constitutions can provide grounds to strike down skewed congressional maps. The Supreme Court rejected a Republican-led challenge that would have allowed state legislatures to expand their power over federal elections. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. When you say expand their power, their power is specifically granted to them by the Constitution. And it seems pretty clear that that's where all the power lies. If you read it, if you read it to mean what the words actually say. So when you've been given the ultimate power, I don't know how you can expand it. Tuesday's 6-3 opinion. And it's amazing. The three um, leftists, of course, always stick together no matter what. And here you have Roberts, Kavanaugh, and Barrett who joined with the three leftists, of course, Kavanaugh, because I think he's going to do anything that Justice Roberts does. And Amy Coney Barrett, I I just, I have no idea. I just have no idea. Here she comes at the end of the Trump administration. Everybody's pretty high on her when she comes in. And, um, I mean, just just seems like a lost soul. Seems like a lost soul. And, and what's amazing is, it, I mean, you've got um, the Supreme Court is clearly in the scope of the left, as they have talked about openly, expanding this number of seats. They are clearly in their, in their, high, in their sight to, um, to go after and, and fundamentally change the court. And you get these decisions, and you just... You just have, I don't know what, you just wonder, like, what is going on? You just wonder what is going on. Now, there's a couple different takes on this. I'll start with over at Levin's Twitter. He said, so let me understand this. Now the framers and the ratifiers, clear language in the Constitution about state legislatures, not state governors, not state courts, having the final say on electoral matters, is the interpretation of right-wing kooks and the Supreme Court just ruled that those who wrote the Constitution, adopted it, ratified it, really didn't mean for final authority to rest with the state legislatures? They intended absolutely nothing by the language that they wrote? 
The lawlessness we see continues, and the Supreme Court has opened even further the interference in our elections by activists, bureaucrats, and courts, and the controversy that will continue to ensue for as long as this unraveling republic exists. And John Roberts is truly pathetic, a lightweight as a chief justice, and extremely political. It appears he holds now some kind of spell over Amy Coney Barrett, who has completely collapsed as an intellectual jurist. Kavanaugh was never the conservative that his Bush supporters claimed, as I repeatedly warned you about. All this talk about a conservative court propaganda pushed by the Democrats in their media is baloney. It's not a conservative court, regardless of the Dobbs decision in which Roberts voted with the leftists once again. Dobbs merely left the issue of abortion to the states. It really didn't outlaw anything. Thomas wrote the minority opinion in the Moore case, which is well worth reading. The majority's opinion requires a strong stomach, so I wouldn't read it after you've eaten. And what's amazing about this decision is this was a moot point because the the state legislature, newly elected by the state of North Carolina and the citizens there, had already ruled on this matter. But for some reason, the Supreme Court just didn't let it go. And I agree. I started to read it, but it begins on page 39 of the opinion. But Justice Justice Clarence Thomas says exactly that. Basically saying the question in front of us, um, not only does this... uh, release break the thread of that this has already been decided by the lower supreme court it affirms a state court judgment that has since been overruled and supplanted by a final judgment resolving all claims in the petitioner's favor basically saying what are we doing why we even debate why do we even have this in front of us this has been decided in the petitioner's favor at the, New York, at the North Carolina Supreme Court. This issue on, the issue on which we opine a federal defense to claims already dismissed on other grounds can no longer affect the judgment in this litigation in any way. As such, the question is indisputably moot. And today's majority opinion is plainly advisory. Because the writ of certiorari should be dismissed, I respectfully dissent. That from Justice Thomas today. And his um, dissent is worth reading. Brilliant as always. Just wait till they get the 2A in front of them. Oh, even though the Constitution says it, it's no good. (laughs) Well, this is the thing. We've talked about the Supreme Court and the fact that... um, you never have the, 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 the conservative court we think we have. We never have. And, you, you know, you, th- you have things that are fundamental rights. You think that there should be a 9 nothing decision. It's 5-4. So you get one jurist who wakes up on the wrong side of the bed and something that's supposed to be a fundamental right all of a sudden is not. And in the opposite, something that never was all of a sudden is. And that's, that's, that's where we are with this court. And um, it's, it seems that at least a couple of them Certainly the three leftists, and, and I think you could add in John Roberts, they just want to be loved by the left, seemingly. The left-wing media, 
and the left just overall. Meanwhile, they're the ones coming for your jobs. If it was up to them, you wouldn't even, you would look nothing like what you look like now for however long this is going to be. They'll, they, they'll put 15, 16 people up there as long as they get the rulings they want. But again, you get rulings like this, maybe they'll rethink it. I don't know. Levin said we have a new, the new Burger Court who replaced the Warren Court, succeeded by Rehnquist. But uh, he worked for the Burger Court. A court that was all over the place. Yeah. Which this court, under John Roberts, who really has been somewhat pathetic, not even somewhat, just pathetic, uh, is all over the place, too. And Amy Coney Barrett, I mean, we all lived through it. We all lived through Kavanaugh. But uh, here we are. Basically handing the House in 24 back to the Democrats effectively is what this will do. Now, some may argue against that. This is a day we're going to look back on and think 24 became very, uh, it became much harder to uh, be in control of government, even if we win the presidency. We'll talk more about this, plus news, sports. David Zier's got a lot of great stuff. A couple interviews. Joni Ernst. All when we come back, live from Studio 6B. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. So I'm going to continue on uh, the court stuff. Uh, Mike Davis was on with Steve Bannon, laid out a pretty good case. Uh, Ilya Shapiro also, he's got a little different take. Uh, so we'll get to his article and his, and his feelings on this as well. But um, there's no way to look at this today and think this is a good day uh, from what we got from the court. So... All right, we'll do more of that. Uh, we got lots to get to. Let's start with sports. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Use our code LFS6B at checkout. That's the promo code to use. It'll save you 10 to 50, 60% off some items. And again, seven days from today, we end our promo. If you use that code, uh, send us the receipt, and you can pick something out from our store. I really like this We the People will fight like hell shirt, wearing it for the first time. Uh, you can get something like this, pick one something out, and we'll send it to you absolutely free. Uh, forward us that receipt that you get from Mike Lindell and tell us what you want. Make sure you include size and color and selection, and we'll get it out to you here in the next couple of weeks. Well, Slick Rick, what's going on? Well, it wasn't a good day in the sports world, I can tell you that. Uh, some sad news just about a half an hour ago, 45 minutes ago, some news broke that former NFL quarterback Ryan Mallett passed away at the age of 35. This is Ryan. She's up. Uh, uh, Glass Spiegel of New York Post reporting. Uh, former NFL quarterback Ryan Mallett has passed away at 35 years old. Mallett died in a drowning accident around oh. Destin, Florida. The Delta Plex News in Arkansas reported Tuesday. He was transported from a beach to a hospital and pronounced dead on arrival. Multiple sources told oh. the outlet. Yeah, terrible story. Uh, Mallett played one season at the University of Michigan before starring at the University of Arkansas, the Razorbacks, back in 2008 through 10. He was subsequently selected in the third round of the 2011 NFL Draft by the Patriots. Uh, it's a career that spanned through 2017. Mallett appeared in games for the Patriots, Texans, and Ravens. Most notably, he was Tom Brady's backup for a number of years in New England. So I'm sure Tom Brady, I haven't seen any quotes from him just yet, uh, but I'm sure he's, he's obviously terribly upset, as 
or the Patriots. So really sad news there. And while the sad news just continues, uh, NASCAR driver Jimmy Johnson's in-law's nephew dead as police investigate possible double murder suicide. Johnson withdrew from Sunday's NASCAR Cup Series, obviously. Uh, This is Paulina Dadaj of Fox News. The in-laws of NASCAR driver Jimmy Johnson and the 11-year-old nephew of his wife were killed in a fatal shooting in Oklahoma on Monday night that police are now investigating as a possible murder-suicide, according to law enforcement. The Muskegee Police Department said in a statement obtained by Fox News Digital that three people were found dead inside a home on Monday night after receiving a 9-11 call at around 9.05 p.m. over reports of a disturbance and someone with a gun. According to law enforcement, the female caller hung up after reporting the incident. Once on the scene, police saw a person laying in the hallway inside the front door and heard gunshots from inside the room. The deceased were identified as 69-year-old Jack Janway, his wife Terry Janway, 68, and the 11-year-old grandson. Fox 23, Tulsa identified the victims as the parents and nephew of Johnson's wife, Chandra Janway. Um, police told Fox News Digital that they are investigating the fatal shooting as a possible double murder-suicide and that Terry Janway is uh, being looked at as a possible suspect. Uh, Legacy Motor Club issued a statement Tuesday to confirm that Johnson's number 84 Carvana Chevrolet will withdraw from NASCAR's Cup Series event in Chicago on Sunday. The Johnson family has asked for privacy at this time and no further statements will be made, the racing team said in a statement. So very sad news with that. And then uh, just one more quick one. Leonard Fournette safe after scary engine fire melts car on side of highway. Free agent running back posted aftermath of car fire to his Instagram page. This is Scott Thompson of Fox News reporting. Free agent running back Leonard uh, Fournette avoided serious injuries after reeling his car went up in flames on Tuesday. Fournette shared a video of his charred SUV, which caught on fire while he was driving on the side of a highway. Luckily, it was only the car that was damaged. Man, it was one of those days today, but I would like to thank God my car caught on fire while I was driving, but I am still blessed for when I captured in the video. He is now a free agent. Uh, he was released by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He kind of went out with Tom Brady when Brady retired, but he had a great career with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's only 28 years old, but Big D, running backs aren't getting signed so easily. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's still sitting on the sideline, and Saquon Barkley, I don't think he's going anywhere, but his contract isn't so far guaranteed, so running backs are not getting the money they used to, but um, anyway, that concludes a uh, very very uh, solemn sports report this evening. So yeah. sorry to bring that A couple that terrible news. stories yeah. in there, man. Holy yeah, cow. Terrible. But congratulations Ryan, to Alex. LSU. College World Series, Big D. My boys, they won. They won it. <laughs> your boys. Okay. Yeah. Well, when does LSU become your boys? Yeah. Right, my boys. Hey, well, when I read about those jello shots, you know, Slick Rick, I like those jello oh, okay. shots, man. Well, that's that's, that's week, a good enough good reason. That's Absolutely. Good enough Come on. Wheeziana, man. Get yeah. me down there. That's I love good that enough place. reason. All right. All right, Slick Rick. Very good. Sports <laughs> is brought to you by Mike Lindell. Uh, make sure you use our code LFS6B. Head over to live from studio6b.com. Make sure you sign up, become a member. Uh, lots of great new stuff uh, released today. A bunch of new tank tops for the summer out today as well. So go over there, sign up. Anyone who signed up last night got a coupon. I don't know what the deal is going to be tonight for anybody who signs up. It might be another one. might be something else. So yeah, sign up for that oh, website. So you guys, Come on. You, you're it's doing like, like surprise, surprise gifts? It's like, oh, it's like a surprise every night at wow. midnight. What's going to go out? So. All right, let's do some news. News is brought to you by Early Treatment Meds. Our friends over there use our code LFS6B, 50% off that Early Treatment Pack, which has that ivermectin in it, earlytreatmentmeds.com. What's going on, Rick Delgado? All right, well, talking about roll call that you called out earlier, a lot of people checking in from Michigan. I didn't realize the show was big in Michigan, but I guess so. So uh, good on you. It's been flying by. So keep checking in throughout the night. We'll try and throw you a shout-out. This coming from the Go Woke 
fake uh, get woke go woke uh, file. Uh, let's see if these Wait, which two, file? The get woke go broke. Oh, oh! Okay. What did I say? Right. No. I said, get woke, go woke. Uh, hey, Damon with the shirt looks like egg yolk. No. He, he still threw <laughs> me with. He, he threw me with the whole take me down to Louisiana. I thought I was sitting next to George Jefferson. <laughs> Anyhow, the two top Anheuser-Busch marketing executives who were placed on leave amid the company's shakeup no longer work for the brand. The source said, "You're kidding." No, what a wow. surprise, right? This is confirmed by Anheuser-Busch in text obtained by the Daily Caller. Uh, Group Vice President of Marketing Dan. Daniel Blake and Bud Light Marketing VP Alyssa Heinerschneid are gone, gone, according to an obtained text message with the current regional head of marketing. Uh, the caller is granting uh, anonymity to the source to, to the understanding if we publicize if we publicly announce the word fired, it opens up the potential for them to sue us. That's why we said leave of absence, the source said in the text message. The wholesalers would have an absolute heyday with leadership if they didn't remove her, the source inside the company said. To be fair, Daniel Blake was actually awesome. I think he was just caught in the wrong crossfire, but also he did hire her, so that's his fault. Wholesalers are told that they are both gone for good by leadership during in-person conversations. They already shifted all their direct reports to new people and the head of marketing, the source added in another text message exchange. So there you have it. Um, two people who are, have gone woke, and now they'll probably end up broke. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, but, we'll see. Yeah. Anyhow, um, Joe Biden is getting roasted. What a surprise. And it was something that uh, I missed, but I guess it was in it yesterday in the, uh, the crazy town. Uh, <laughs> President Joe Biden being slammed online for joking about selling state secrets as critics questioned his mental status and whether he was confessing to a crime. A lot of uh, states. I sold a lot of state secrets and a lot of very important things that we shared. Biden said at the start of a meeting with the Indian prime minister last week. Now, all kidding aside, look, we're teaming up to design and develop new technologies. All kidding aside, of course. Uh, uh, the Republican National Committee on Monday tweeted the video of the Biden remark, cutting the video before the president clarified that he was kidding. This coming sure. from just the news, even though additional information was added to the RNC post by Twitter users. See, Joe on, Biden on the Trump tape, all he should have done was he was done talking to the two girls. Just all kidding aside. Yeah. That, get, that gets you out of any... Any worried that you could be? That's all you had to say. Yep. Either that or not a joke. Not a joke. Not, a, not joke. a joke. Come on, it's not, not calculus. Not a joke. Right. Joe Biden's brain is going, and he's literally admitting his crimes out loud. Impeach Biden. It's unreal and so insulting. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene said. Well, honest or in a fog of confusion? Where are you, Democrats? Speak up, because we never hear from you on this topic. Said former Representative Jason Chaffetz and uh, Byron Donalds, one of our favorites out of Florida, said they impeached Trump over a phone call, uh, referring to. Of course, how the House impeached then-President Donald Trump in 2019 to his, to his comments he made on a phone call with Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky. Yeah, okay. So. Yeah, you know, I like Byron Donalds. I like a lot of Republicans. But where are you, Republicans? Where are you? Where are you with the subpoenas? Where are you with the witnesses? Where are you with any of this? It's all the strong speeches and the tweets and the texts. And who cares? Do something. All right, David's here. When we get back. Where? Oh, there he is. Zier's here. Zier's here. Zier's here. Zier's here. Big Z. Get your ice cold Zier here. All right, 30 
30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night on Real America's Voice. Glad you're a part of the show, as always. We always appreciate you giving us a couple hours of your night, each and every night, Monday through Friday, right here on Real America's Voice, 8 to 10. Make sure you follow us uh, on all our social media, pretty much at LFS6B everywhere. And most importantly, make sure you sign up at livefromstudio6b.com. Brand new sites up. All the great merch is there as well. Some new tank tops out today. A lot of you have been asking for those for the summer, so we got some of those out today. Uh, livefromstudio6b.com. Make sure you sign up. You should get a pop-up. That may, All you got to do is put your email in, and then while uh, you're in there. Um, so lots to do over there as well. Uh, Slick Rick's been doing sports. Delgado did the news. David Zier sitting with us tonight. And, of course, he's been on the road just down as we spoke to him at the uh, Faith and Freedom uh, Coalition down in the swamp, which I said then and say now. It doesn't seem like those two things go together, the swamp and Faith and Freedom. But uh, welcome back. So tell me, how was your uh, how was your week? Uh, it was extra- extraordinary. You know, I was in D.C. on the ground Faith and Freedom Coalition 2023, Road to Majority 2023. The speakers were amazing. Uh, Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina totally brought the house down. Mark Robinson. Yeah. Trump stole the show. He was the keynote at the end. Uh, but there were so many great people and great speakers. Vivek was awesome. And he talked about how we lost our way and we're a nation in decline and how we're like bats in a dark cave. And we have, they use echolocation and sonar and they has to bounce off a wall. We have nothing to bounce it off anymore because we've lost our way and everything is in turmoil, but that we have to be able to bounce our signals off of the fact that we have faith and freedom and family. And that's our foundation. And that's what we have to use to find our way again. His speech, I thought, was uh, really, really good. But I got to interview great people. We're going to get to one of them right now. Uh, But I interviewed Terry Newsom, placed on the terror watch list for speaking out against pornography at a school two months after Merrick Garland had that letter, I think, um, you know, saying they're going to go after parents, basically. Mm -hmm. Put him on the domestic terror list, the no-fly list. And thank God for Matt Gates and Troy Nels, who wrote letters, I think the DOJ on his behalf. He showed me the letters. uh, And he's no longer longer uh, a terrorist, uh, which was incredible. And then Eric Colton from On Trafficked. He's a CEO, former military guy, I think. He uses special operators to locate the half a million children that are missing in this country and the half a million online predators that target our children online. Uh, great organization. Pastor Leon Benjamin trying to restore, uh, get uh, the black churches and the churches in America to become on woke. So many great people. Marcus C. Williams, GOP leader in Rochester. He's like a 32-year-old black guy, really young guy, uh, a minister trying to get control in Rochester that has the highest murder rate in New York State or very close to it. Just incredible people, Pakistani, Christian, Adnan Maksud in Houston, huge TV station, great followers, goes on crusades in Pakistan and tries to convert people to Christianity, and Glenn Jacobs, who we'll get to later, formerly known as Kane, Mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, (laughs) doing a good job, and Mickey Whithoff and Tommy Tatum, it goes on and on, I did like 25 interviews, the best people you ever met, the Faith and Freedom Coalition that Ralph Reed puts on, it was one of the better events I've ever been to, and Right now, I just wanted to get to an interview I did with Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa. All right, Joni Ernst, Aaron, let's pull that up. Here is uh, David Zier with Joni Ernst. Roll that. I'm so honored to have with us at the Faith and 
freedom coalitions uh, road to majority 2024. Uh, she just got off the stage. Uh, Senator Joni Ernst from the great state of Iowa. Thank oh, you so much. So good to be with you. Thank yeah. you. What a great day. It's a great day. Uh, great crowd inside, I hear, correct? I'm yes, out here, it is. Out they here are doing interviews. fired up. I love it. They're fired up, right? Um, well, I think uh, that's going to be the resounding message over the next year and a half, yes. regardless of who the candidate is. And um, I want to thank you for your military service to our country. Such a privilege. And thank I always you. say uh, covering uh, Iowa events on the ground and Trump rallies and other um, the nicest people in the country are from Iowa. So I would agree. It's a great uh, the thank rugged you. individualist who built America. Yeah. Right. Yes. yes. Maybe that's a foreign concept <laughs> these days in our country. Um, so I know that you've been really vocal about a lot of things going on. Uh, tell us about the Iowa Farm Bill uh, or the Farm Bill in Congress, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. Where you're concerned about Chinese land purchases. Yes, I am. And I have introduced legislation and it is it is bipartisan. So that's extremely important to get it getting it in the, the farm bill. But what I hear from constituents, what we are hearing all across the United States is that uh, our constituents are very, very worried about China and other foreign entities purchasing our valuable ag land. Right, right which they've so been doing. They have been doing. So we have over 37 million is the low estimate acres across wow. the United States owned by foreign investors. That's uh, almost bigger than some states, so that's a lot. It is bigger than the state of Tennessee. Wow, mm -hmm. wow that, well that's extraordinary. That's an extraordinary number. Um, and Blinken's visit to China, was it a dud or uh, did they get anything done? It was a dud, and the entire uh, purpose of the trip was to really show strength uh, against the Chinese, to maybe right. talk about issues like the Chinese spy balloon, maybe talk about something like a Chinese spy base in Cuba. Yeah, I was and, surprised that wasn't discussed. Right? And Blinken brought none of that up, and it was all about appeasement to China. Tell us about uh, what you spoke about on stage, uh, men and women sports. Yes. So I led off with a topic that is very concerning to me, and that's the allowance of biological males competing in women's athletics. Yeah. This shouldn't be happening. Um, we see that biological men are now competing in women and girls sports, and they're pushing the women off the podium. They're taking away titles. <laughs> yeah. They're taking away scholarship opportunities from women. Well, the Iowa State Legislature, along with uh, Kim Reynolds, yes. uh, the governor, have been very aggressive on um, you know, banning transgender surgeries for youth. Uh, what about in the area of uh, sports? Yeah, absolutely. So Governor Kim Reynolds and our Iowa legislature, they did phenomenal work this last year in prohibiting biological males from competing in girls and women's sports all the way from kindergarten through the collegiate level. Wow. So Iowans got to be concerned. Uh, the agendas in schools, uh, I think, are poisoning our children. Uh, we're going to lose a whole generation of kids with nonsense and performances down nationwide for our students. What do Iowans want and what do they want from the candidates in the 2024 election? Well, what Iowans want first when it comes to education, uh, parents want to know what their children are doing in school. They want to know how their children are performing. They yeah. want their kids in school and they want the schools to focus on science and math and English and reading. Right. They need those skills to take them further in life. That's what they want them to focus yeah, on. Yeah, uh, I'm sure they do. Uh, tell us about uh, the Hunter Biden plea deal. Uh, 
last word on that. So bad. So very bad. Are there two tiers of justice? Two tiers of justice in the, in the United States. One for Democrats, one for Republicans. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, well, um, Senator Ernst, I want to thank you so much for coming yeah, on. It's the, great uh, to be with Real you. America's Voice uh, news audience uh, loves you. So thank you so much. And uh, I hope to catch up with you soon. It's a pleasure. We'll see you in Iowa. I, I hope so. I hope so. It'll be an exciting year and a half, right? You better believe it. Hang on tight, folks. All right, everybody. David Zia for Real America's Voice. All right, David Zier with uh, Joni Ernst. Um, just to focus on that last part a little bit, do do um, do the Real America's Voice uh, audience love Joni Ernst? Isn't she kind of like, uh, well, you know, kind of Rhino uh, Rhino Central? I don't so, think I don't think you could say that to her face. Of course not. I'm asking <laughs> no, David now. But listen, you know, you even got the governor of Iowa. It's a very conservative state, the most conservative legislature probably in the United States. They banned transgender surgeries for children. Children, I think Joni supported that. But like Joni and the governor, you know, they're sitting it out. They're not endorsing a candidate yet until after the Iowa caucus. So, uh, yeah, you know, I wish they would get behind Trump, you know, but I can't have everything. And they're still, you know, she's she served our, our nation and our military. Um, you know, you got to take it for what it is at this point. And uh, I would say that Iowa and the people of Iowa, um, it's a conservative base. They're a pro-life base. Um, the Faith and Freedom Coalition was probably the place for a representative from Ira to be there because it's a very, very conservative base there. What I was really impressed about that uh, forum um, was all of the black conservative leadership, guys like Bill Cleveland Jr., who was from the Douglas Leadership Institute, and Frederick Douglass was a former slave and an abolitionist, and these guys were awesome. Pastor Leon Benjamin and um, all these great guys. They're trying to change the dynamics in the black church and get these families and these kids off the streets. And it was uh, it was pretty moving. Um, so there is like a little bit of a sea change in the thought out there. Overall, um, I thought the conference was spectacular. All right. Very good. Good interview with Joni Ernst. Yeah, I just asked because I know I mean, I know Governor Reynolds is very well liked and I know she's been for the most part pretty um she has governed like she's spoken, and she's pretty. She has been pretty conservative down the line. Joni Ernst, uh, I feel like she has more than more than anything else. Seemed like she has ended up on. Yeah, she has worked more against. She worked more against President Trump, didn't she, than she did for him in his four years? Well, you know, a, a lot of people in Iowa aren't endorsing President Trump yet, or or won't. You know, so I don't know how that's going to work out. But you know, Joni Ernst and the members of the legislature—they're fighting for the farmers. Uh, Trump benefited Iowa more than anybody with the twenty-eight billion he got back for the Iowa farmers. She should get behind him. I, I yeah. just can't make her do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I don't think you can. No. Yeah. No, I don't think you can i saw president trump speak today at some luncheon in the afternoon i don't know where i i i guess i should know where he was but i i just happened to catch uh the speech uh maybe it was in rhode island was he in rhode island i think he was in rhode island i think what that's today it was. yeah trump yep new hampshire new hampshire concord okay new hampshire today and i saw him uh, i saw the speech and um it was good it was good um, the love on the ground up there for him when he arrived. Uh, I think I reposted the video to our, uh, to our Twitter, our social media was, uh, what you'd expect. Now, how, um, did you meet some people on the ground there who uh, watch Rav? 
at the Faith and Freedom Coalition? Yeah. Oh, my God. Everybody. Um, they love RAV. Uh, they feel like we're really the only outlet outside of one or two others. Um, but they like RAV because we're unfiltered and we're uncensored. And, you know, we, we as long as we can back up what we say, we can, you know, tell the truth and what's going on. I think they really respect that. And, you know, the the um, it was religious right. At, uh, the religious right was there. Um you know, they, they feel like they're under assault in America, and we all feel like we're under assault. Uh, nobody represents the guy who opens the gates for his crews anymore. And, um, you know, we, we are losing everything, and we're losing everything. Uh, but it was encouraging to know that people are fighting. And, you know, Ralph Reed, listen, he's he's done a lot of uh, good things Um you know, for the country. And he took over the party in Georgia and he's a pro-life guy. Um, some people are critical of him, but I got to say, uh, that forum was good. And the speakers only got like 13 minutes. Um, Chris Christie got booed and, um, you know, DeSantis was that pretty was on good, the food line. but you know, the Suarez <laughs> Suarez is pretty good. Very pro-life guy. Apparently, um, not a big uh, Trump uh, supporter, at least openly, uh, but lowered the homeless problem, like by 50 plus percent in Miami and the crime problem. So he's kind of Giuliani esque in a way, There's a lot of young voices there. So I, mm. I, w- I was impressed by the slate. And of course he has, uh, he's embraced Bitcoin and, uh, crypto in, in Miami and turned it really into a hub and i contend excuse me i contend that um that is going to be a big issue come 2024 especially with the hate that's out there for gary gensler and the banks and everything that's going on right now financially i uh, contend that crypto is going to be one of the um one of the big things um as they look at the because that community looks at the democrats in charge and what's going on and they are not happy Live from Studio 6B, more to do right after this. This one, friend. 13 to the hour, live from Studio 6B. Friend, back on the uh, music choice. Harry on the highway last night. Yeah. <laughs> Harry ran into a billboard. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> friend, we're going to have to teach Harry the idea of the out music. You, you kind of want to yeah. hit something like on beat one. Harry, Harry would give me like... <laughs> <laughs> on the one I was queuing out to the commercials and Harry would give me like some song that started at like <laughs> like zero with one string player the so opening of Bohemia Rhapsody <laughs> <laughs> three minute intro <laughs> oh god alright 13 to the hour live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night David Zier sitting in uh, Rick Delgado, Slick Rick doing sports. We'll get to all of them again here. Aaron and Fran holding it down as always. Let's get to a couple clips on this. Um, really, um, I don't know what the word is. Mind-boggling, delusional, whatever. This uh, Supreme Court case today, given that I don't even know why they had the case, why they didn't let it go, given that the North Carolina Supreme Court had decided it, as Justice Thomas wrote in his dissent. But uh, just a couple other uh, reactions. Bannon was all over it in his second show. 
uh, at 5 o'clock, I believe, and, the, and, and this morning as well, but more at the 5 o'clock show. Uh, Mike Davis and Jeff Clark both were on. Here's um, first Mike Davis on his take. Who wrote One more time. The Chief Justice, who wrote this opinion, had a completely different opinion in 2015 in an Arizona case. And the Chief Justice, uh, like he did with immigration cases as it related to Trump, Versus Biden, he takes a very chiefy approach, and that chiefy approach is a political approach, where he uh, adjusts uh, his jurisprudence based upon the politics of the moment. And I think that these conservative justices cowed to the left. I think that they saw uh, uh, during the Roe versus Wade fight with the Dobbs decision that these leftists were threatening and intimidating them outside of their homes. Uh, illegally, obstruction of justice, threatening Justice Kavanaugh in his home in a 1 a.m. assassination attempt against Justice Kavanaugh, his wife Ashley, their two teenage daughters, uh, Merrick Garland, and Joe Biden encouraged these, said that these were protected by the First Amendment, which they're absolutely not. And I think, I, frankly, the conservative justices absolutely wimped out here because there is no question that the elections clause says that state legislatures shall decide the time, place, and manner of elections. And the Chief Justice's dissent uh, in 2015 in the Arizona case said that, but somehow he's flipped his vote here and he's cowed to the left. And this means between these two, uh, these two redistricting cases, voting rights cases, this means that the Chief Justice and Brett Kavanaugh, his protege, and Amy Coney Barrett, who's scared of her shadow, are gonna hand over the House of Representatives to Democrats in the next, next election. There's Mike Davis. And when you look at you look at the seats that will be up because of this and where how it could change, um, that's the overall feeling from a lot of people today who look at this decision and just shake their head. And as 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 he said, if we're not going to go by what the framers actually wrote, then I mean, it, there's there's no way to interpret what they wrote in any other way other than to say the state legislatures is where it lies because that's what it says in very plain english here's jeff clark in particular after the north carolina supreme court uh, was reconstituted following elections and it ruled in what we'll call harper two reversing Harper one, and despite the fact that the first case, which is the one the Supreme Court took and then held oral argument in, got completely reversed, the Justice, Chief Justice Roberts finds this, uh, you know, incredibly uh, tortured way of saying that actually there are still live portions of that case, namely because the election occurred so long after Harper won, which had, you know, ruled against the uh, Republican redistricting that had occurred. And, you know, because of that, they had to kind of like take the, the Harper won decision as a given. But they got ultimately in Harper two a total reversal of Harper one. So that should have mooted the whole case. So it's ridiculous that we're here. It's a, it's a violation of the limitations of the judicial power that they're reaching this ruling, this six to three ruling based on the fact that, the, you know, a case that's no longer live. That, so Mike is definitely right about that. And look, you know, Steve, at the macro level, let me take a step back, explain the constitutional system a little bit, uh, you know, especially as to the election of the president, right? They're basically, the Dems are in a, an operation of stripping away uh, the multiple fora in which you can fight to make sure 
you know, that, uh, uh, you know, the election is not uh, stolen or perverted or twisted in some way. And those three forums are the courts, the, uh, the state legislatures, which have plenary power over their electors, and then that feeds into the Electoral College. And then third, the final check is what Congress does on January 6th in terms of certifying what comes out of the Electoral College and therefore flows back to the state legislatures. So, you know, the whole January 6th committee was an effort to uh, try to, to block out the idea of the fact that Congress has any role in this process, eliminating one of the three forums. And now, in terms of the state legislatures, this decision will make it very, very difficult for, uh, you know, state legislatures to potentially, you know, to use their power because their power under the electors clause uh, is in parallel to the elections clause, which was an issue in this Moore v. Harper case. So there are different clauses. The, the elections clause is about the rules for federal elections set by state legislatures. The electors clause is about the uh, state legislatures choosing the electors, but they both give that that power, that that plenary power, I would argue, and I think is uh, the better view of the Constitution to the state legislatures and not to the state courts. And so, and we're seeing the justices, uh, majority of the justices, including you know uh, some of the recent appointments like Amy Coney Barrett and so on, go with this. Yeah. In particular, and exactly, and it's exactly what I read to you in the start to show both of those clauses. Both clearly say to state legislature. So just, just a mind-boggling decision. Mind-boggling. And as he said, think about what we have going on right now. You have this decision, um, which again affects m many things, specifically uh, the electors, which we're, right now we're arguing about too, because this case that we talked about yesterday as they try to criminalize, as they call fake electors. So you have, you, have, you have the Department of Justice trying to criminalize electors that come to Congress, even if they come completely constitutional. As I just read to you, that, that clause, the electors clause. And now you have this decision dealing with, as we talked about, all the fraud that led up to the election as Mark Elias and all of them went into these states and changed the playing field. Votes that were counted on November, that November day in 2020, whatever it was, the November 3rd or 4th, whatever the date was, would not have counted just six months prior to that in those states. But you have a consent decree with Stacey Abrams in Georgia. You've got uh, Act 71 in Pennsylvania that the governor was so quick to sign off, never went through what the state constitution called for, for those kind of things to pass. So you had the whole playing field changed, power taken out of the state legislature's hands. You had all these, uh, these cases go to court. None of them saw the light of day. None of them got to discovery. And here you have a decision today by the Supreme Court basically further taking away that power from the state legislature. Uh, Damon, you know, in uh, North Carolina, I think they have to draw maps every election. And the last election led to a 7-7 split in the Democrat to Republican um, situation in Congress. Um, this year's new maps was supposed to favor the Republicans to a 10-4 or 11-3 split in the Republicans' favor. So maybe that's not going to happen. And the voters of North Carolina just elected a majority Supreme Court who just decided on this. This is what makes this decision today because why is it even being decided as justice thomas again i say wrote in his dissent which you should all read
right, hour two coming up live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night right after this. Live from Studio 6B, 9 p.m. on the East Coast, Real America's Voice. Glad you're in. Lots to do here in hour two. We will continue to go through the Supreme Court decision today in this North Carolina case. And uh, we'll take a look at the other side of the argument from someone who thinks, well, maybe this is not necessarily as bad as most conservatives think it is. Um, so we'll get to that. Ilya Shapiro on um, on Twitter will give you his his take on it. Uh, David Zier's got some more great information from his travels and actually an LFS, LFS6B, easy for me to say, fan that he caught up with. We have a picture of with David with. We'll get to that as well in hour two. LOL of the day in hour two. David's interview with Kane, the big red machine from the WWE, now turned uh, mayor of uh, somewhere in Tennessee, right? Knox County, where Knox Knoxville County. is. Okay, and, uh, so yeah. we'll get we'll get to that interview as well. But let's start with some headline and some news. Mm-hmm. News is brought to you by Early Treatment Meds. EarlyTreatmentMeds.com. Use our code LFS6B at checkout. Fifty percent off whatever you put in your cart. And here with the news is Rick Delgado. What's going on? All right. Well, I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, it kind of sounds like a song. Let me know if you've heard this one before. The Bidens are the best. Does it ring a, ring a bell for you? Yeah, you're Joe's the best. Favorite song is yes. you're the best. Yeah. Yes, Come there on, you go. Man. Biden's are the best, according to Hunter Biden, as a stunning new text message apparently sent to a Chinese executive is revealed. The uh, Hunter Biden alleged text to this Chinese business executive bragging about the ability to serve his client. The House Oversight Committee revealed on Tuesday, simply the best. There, Joe. Biden apparently boasted on August 3rd of 2017 to Dong, an executive at CEFC, you can't make that one up, an energy firm linked to the Chinese Communist Party about how his family is the best at doing what Dong's bosses want. Dong, grandpa is talking to you. The Bidens are the best I know at doing exactly what the chairman wants from this partnership, Hunter Biden texted, according to the House Oversight Committee. The following day, one of Biden's shell companies was mysteriously paid $100,000 from CEFC. The IRS whistleblower testimony disclosed on Thursday showed a threatening text that we talked about at length that was sent by Hunter Biden to the China's business associate with Joe Biden in the room. Um, The White House said that the president was not in business with his son in response to the IRS whistleblower testimony. Hunter Biden's lawyer says his client's words are solely his own and no connection to anyone in his family, even though his dad was sitting right there. Testimony by a separate IRS whistleblower. I guess there's another whistleblower. They're calling Mr. X. He's uh, not come forward with his um, identity uh, for safety's sake. Accused Biden of moving payments from a Ukrainian energy firm, Burisma, to a Chinese firm to avoid (laughs) 
paying taxes. House Oversight uh, released a memo in May detailing the Biden family alleged attempt to hide more than $10 million in foreign payments. And Dong allegedly tried to hide his $100,000 payment to Biden by creating an LLC called CEFC Infrastructure, with its sole equity member being one of his, uh, one of his LLC's Dongs uh, that he traded into. So lots of lots of dodgy stuff and it takes you back to the comment um from one of hunter biden's guys i think it was his uh, tax guy or his attorney said it's going to take 10 years to pull all this apart with all the uh shell companies they created so we'll see what happens there speaking of which remember that uh that, can I that, kind of a question yeah there's no reason that the republicans can't subpoena more than one person right you yeah, see I'm these things sure. where they've got more than multiple witnesses yep on all these different things so why is it we don't have or at least we have something in the future to look forward to why haven't the republicans announced that they've subpoenaed bill barr they've subpoenaed ship shipley shapley whatever the the irs whistleblower merrick garland and david weiss why aren't the four of them sitting at one table just can someone explain that to me from the republican party why that hasn't happened what would be the reason given everything we know, that those four wouldn't be sitting at the same table before the judge has to rule on this ridiculous deal this guy got. How long does it take? What's the process from subpoena to sitting at the table and answering questions? It can't be that long. I don't think so. I know they've been able to get people in front of them pretty quickly before. So what are they waiting for? Someone is clearly lying. Between Garland and Weiss and the whistleblower. And I would almost bet anything it's not the whistleblower. So if you take him out of the equation, one of the two is lying. What are they waiting for to do something? Can someone explain it to me? No? Well, I'm I'm assuming that's a rhetorical question because I don't know. Right, because you don't have an answer. Who, <laughs> right. who could possibly have an answer? Uh, the people who would be in charge of doing that investigation. Well, none of them will come on this show. So who can ask them that? Joni Ernst. <laughs> <laughs> David, can you set that up? Yeah. I mean, set that up. I don't want to. I might get creamed in the chat. I mean, it's just ridiculous, though. Why aren't the four of them sitting at one table? That would be interesting. It's like, all right, you said this. Do you still stand by that statement and then, and then have them actually, you know, it, it, right, it's David like that. Weiss, did yeah. he give you permission to charge him? Yes or no? Well, yeah. you told him. Why aren't they doing that? Let Matt Gates have Adam for five minutes. <laughs> or, or Senator Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, he'd be great. As a matter of fact, why don't you all defer your time to Gates? And let Gates have the whole hour or whatever. Okay, I recognize uh, Senator. Oh, I defer my five minutes to, <laughs> to Mr. Should, Gates. Oh, I defer fighting. my five minutes to Mr. Why don't you do that? He is fighting like hell. Like um, Holy Schiff tried to do the other day when he was at Durham and everybody kept giving him their remaining time. So he could ask the same stupid question over and over again that he wasn't clearly going to get an answer to. But he wanted to act like a tough guy. So let Gates be the tough guy and ask these four. I mean, I don't know. I, I just sometimes I don't know. 
Uh, go ahead, Rick. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, continuing on with the, the the Biden crime family news and uh, kind of a second part to this story, Hunter Biden evaded, evaded paying a portion of his taxes, moving his earnings, like I said, from that Burisma LLC to a Chinese firm and then getting the money back through a loan. The IRS whistleblower testified the alleged tax scheme began after Hunter Biden sent an email back in 2014 to his Burisma business associate, Devin Archer, about how they planned to spend the one million they were both earning from the Ukraine energy company. The unnamed whistleblower claimed in June 1 testimony released just last Thursday by the House. At the time, Devin Archer and Hunter Biden were looking into this Bohai uh, Harvest Investment. There were about a million dollars that they had to put forward. Hunter didn't have the money to put forward, so Devin was like, why don't I just take part of the Burisma money? We can pay another part of it to you, and then half of it will go into the investment into the Chinese company, the, the whistleblower said. So imagine this. If you're the owner of a company and your friend tells you that, I want to pay my wages to your company, and you're going to get a loan back uh, to me. That's essentially what happened here. He took loans from that corporation, which were distributions, and he didn't pay taxes on those loans. A whistleblower said anti-money laundering expert John Cassara told uh, the Daily Caller that Hunter Biden's alleged money transfer doesn't meet the normal definition of money laundering, which is uh, the disguising of proceeds of illegal activities because he apparently paid for a service. The methodology of moving the money around through another country and using a loan as a financial vehicle, however, could be in the category called layering, which is the second stage or phase of money laundering. Layering is the middle process where they try to complicate and disguise the money trail. Again, something we've heard about before. The DOJ chose not to prosecute Hunter for this potential offense because they believe that the money paid back to him was really a loan. But you can't loan yourself your own money, the whistleblower said. And again, the whistleblower is the IRS whistleblower. Hunter Biden, uh, Hunter Biden, although, cannot no longer be charged for the transaction because the statute of limitations has run out for 2014, according to the whistleblower. And we all know why that happened. The House Oversight Committee uh, also said back in 2002, he filed a 1040 form owing 100000 in taxes, 2003 owing 100000 more, 2004 owing 20000 more, and another 100000 in 2005. So this guy's got a history of not paying taxes. White House officials have dismissed the committee's claims, of course, with the White House national security person uh, spokesman John Kirby saying he didn't read the report and that he had no national security concerns about it. So there you have it. More cover. The cover up is always what gets you. All right, we'll do some more news in, uh, in a little bit, and we'll do uh, some more with David Zier here in a second, but let's do some sports. And here with that is Slick Rick, Rick Amirati. Sports brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Use our code LFS6B at checkout. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, Big D. Well, let's get to the scoreboard. we got a full slate of uh, 30 teams playing tonight in Major League Baseball. Let's start off with my Cincinnati Reds right now up 2-1 to one at the end of 7. Looking to change their winning ways. They lost 3 in a row after winning... 12 in a row. Uh, Padres and Pirates. Uh, Pirates lead that 8-4, top of the 7th. Giants over the Blue Jays, 1-0, bottom 7. Top 8, Marlins, 7-1 over the Red Sox. What do you know? Bottom of the 7th, the Mets up 7-0 in City Field. Uh, Braves, 6-2 over the Twins, middle of the 6th. Bottom 5, Cards lead the Astros, 4-2. Tigers blanking the Rangers, 2-zip, bottom 4. Top 4, Phillies blanking the Cubs, 4-0 in Wrigley. Guardians and Royals, no score, bottom 4. Top 2nd, 
Dodgers 2-0 over the Rockies. White Sox, Angels, Yankees, A's, Rays, Diamondbacks, and National Mallers all coming up within the next hour first pitch. And well, another more sad news in the sports world. This one from the rodeo country, Big D. Cowboy and horse pass in lightning strike. This is KRVN News. Uh, we got a tweet from one of our followers, uh, Ninja, uh, get the last name, but uh, Ninja tweeted this last night. Funeral services for Terrell Vineyard of Oshkosh, Nebraska were held Tuesday morning at the Garden County Fairgrounds Arena in Llewellyn. The 27-year-old man died on June 21st by lightning strike while riding his horse, Dose, north of Oshkosh. Vineyard was pronounced deceased at the scene. Vineyard was a horseman and rodeo competitor, qualifying three times for World Series of Team Roping in Las Vegas. Terrell was married to his wife, Stacy, on February 10th of 2023, and they have three daughters. A memorial account has been created at the Nebraska State Bank in Oshkosh. A GoFundMe account has been established to assist the family. So terrible news for that cowboy. We're so sad. And, uh, well, go get him. Pulling for you. Adam Sandler congratulates 17-year-old Happy Gilmore as he heads to uh, college. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Warner Todd Houston of Brightboard. On Friday, uh, 17-year-old Indiana resident Landon Gilmore announced on Twitter that he had been accepted to Ball State University. Right? Good news. Well, that is good news for Gilmore and his friends and family. That really caught the actor's eye is that young. there is a young Mr. Gilmore has been tagged with the nickname Happy thanks to the 1996 Adam Sandler golfing economy. Uh, uh, comedy CNN reported. I'm very excited to announce that I have committed to continue my academic and golf career at Ball State University. I am very grateful for the opportunity Coach Fleck has given me. Uh, anyway, somehow Sandler got wind of the team's announcement because he added his congrats to the tweet, writing, Go get him happy, pulling for you. So, of course, uh, the fellow was tickled pinky, had wanted to meet uh, the great Adam Sandler one day, and uh, that's a great little uh, tweet there. So, that's a wrap in sports. Try to end it on a high note here. All right, Slick Rick. Very good. We'll do some more <laughs> sports, more news with Delgado. David Zier coming up when we get back with a picture with an LFS6B fan. Can't wait to hear the story behind this. We'll do it when we get back right after this. I can't believe there is one. <laughs> he found her. <laughs> Seventeen past the hour. Well, if you think you that you uh, that you may not need emergency food, well, I'm going to tell you to think again. The government recently revealed the truth about the coming food shortages. According to the USDA, fully one third of America's annually planted crops won't be harvested this season. Severe droughts and fertilizer shortages wipe them out. That means food is going to get scarce and it's going to get expensive. It's already expensive. Is your family prepared for that? That's the question you got to ask. If not, now is the time to stock up on emergency food from My Patriot Supply. And it's at discounted prices if you act now. Go to preparewithrav.com 
And you'll save big on each four-week emergency food kit that you'll need for your family. You'll get breakfasts, lunch, dinners, drinks, snacks. And that'll keep everybody in your family going strong. Best of all, the food is delicious. Your whole family will absolutely love it. Act now. Save big on each four-week kit that you need. Go to with, uh, preparewithrav.com, preparewithrav.com, all one word, and get free shipping as well. What could be easier than that? Folks, listen, you'll never forgive yourself if you let your family suffer, if you're caught unprepared at one of these times. So go to preparewithrav.com and make sure that doesn't happen. Preparewithrav.com, all one word, preparewithrav.com. Our friends from My Patriot Supply. All right, 18 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Marissa wrote us an email, said, guys, wanted to tell you, we watch every night. My mom got me started, and I haven't stopped watching since. Even my two little girls love you guys. Well, look at that. Yeah. So uh, thank you very much, Marissa, for the email, and thanks for watching. So uh, David Zier's sitting in tonight. He's been doing some traveling, got a lot on his mind, got a lot coming up, a lot of things going on all over the country. What's, uh, what's on your mind, Mr. Zier? So I'll be in Pickens, South Carolina on Saturday. And that's a Trump rally, right? It's a Trump rally on Main Street in Pickens. You know, the whole northwestern part, about half the counties in South Carolina are deep red. Uh, He got about 75% of the vote in the 2020 election in Pickens County. Uh, So he'll be there on Main Street. There's a battle going on in uh, the state of South Carolina. The 538 polls have him uh, summarized as like 23 points up. He's gained 10 points since the indictment in Florida. Uh, So he's been oscillating back and forth in South Carolina. The establishment's trying to take him out in South Carolina. And there's battle on the ground going on. I could bring you guys more next week on that. Um, But then Trump will be um, on Sunday at the Moms for Liberty uh, Summit in Philadelphia, which is uh, really great. Uh, I just interviewed Catalina Stube at the Faith and Freedom Coalition, and I was with Tiffany Justice. These women are incredible. They're the last line of defense in America in our schools. Um, And then I covered the uh, Lincoln Day dinner in Michigan on Sunday night, and I just got back yesterday from Michigan, great state of Michigan, love being there, love the people over there. Um, You know, everybody's really informed, even like the Uber drivers and the working class guys, whether the Democrats Republican, but Michigan is falling off the cliff. They've got these incredible, you know, and Trump said that Biden's going to cost Michigan like $200 billion in auto making and all these problems there. They got this EV battery plant that's going to cost the taxpayers money, even though it'll employ people. You know, it's going to China. Rare earth minerals coming from China. It's only going to benefit China in the end. But the other stories going on in Michigan, and I interviewed a very own Tudor Dixon who ran against Whitmer. She's so nice. We love her. Um, but There are three bills pending or have been recently passed in Michigan, and one of them is this free speech law that uh, I think it amends current law, but if you just insult somebody, they can, you can get five years in prison, hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines, I, I think, so, you know, the onus is on the defendant. So if somebody doesn't like you, you're like at a pride rally and you say somebody and they feel like hurt or insulted, even though you may not be attacking them for their sexual orientation, you might be attacking them for parading naked in front of your children. <laughs> you know, um, you can, you can go to jail 
and you can get fined. Where's this? In Michigan. Michigan. And, and they're getting rid of free speech. It's very, very scary because I read the legislation. It's like very nebulous. And the third part is, you know, of course you're not going to uh, uh, do a hate crime on anybody. Of course nobody's going to, you know, where and people on, on this, this side of the aisle aren't going to, you know, uh, make fun of people for being gay. It's about what they're doing. And, and it, somebody could just translate it one way and all of a sudden you're up on charges in a kangaroo court. Um, very, very, very disgusting what's going on uh, in Michigan. And they're just going off the cliff to the left. Uh, there's a new gun bill pending, very punitive. Mm. So we got to pay attention to Michigan because it's like, you know, New York, Illinois, Michigan, California. There you completely go. I was just, just going to say, we got, a lot, we got a lot of places to pay attention to, not just Michigan. Free speech is under attack in many, many places uh, around this country. So there, there's legislation. There's some, le- Doug Smith has told us there's some legislation pending in New York that is just, uh, just as bad. Yeah. So these, these, uh, Marxist leftist ideas are, are, are running rampant all over. So it's not just, I hear what you're saying, but it's not just Michigan. We have to pay attention to, although they, they're right up there with the worst, obviously. Yeah. It's thought, thought crimes. Oh, uh, you can't think that way. Remember, I read that story last week about the teacher in the UK who was uh, who was having a, dis- <laughs> I guess, was getting uh, torpedoed by two eight-year-olds because uh, they didn't agree <laughs> with the, the the woke nonsense of oh, this person is a cat, and the kids really gave it to the teacher, and the teacher was complaining. You, you're not allowed to think that way, and that's where it starts. It starts in the schools, unfortunately. And David was exactly right. Emma Vergani has a piece in The Spectator, The American Spectator. Michigan hate crime bill is an attack on free speech, and it is five years uh, and a fine up to $10,000. According to this amendment, imitation, intimidation, excuse me, would be redefined as, quote, a willful course of conduct involving repeated or continuing harassment of another individual that would cause a reasonable individual, see the nomenclature they use, Mm -hmm. to feel terrorized, frightened, or threatened, and that actually causes the victim to feel terrorized, frightened, or threatened. Punishment for a hate crime would be included imprisonment up to five years and a fine of up to $10,000. In this proposed amendment, House Bill number 4474 passed the Michigan House Representatives on June 20th and would alter the state's Ethnic Intimidation Act of 1988. But if you get accused, you know, it's not just the fine. It's like I, I was with Bernie Carrick uh, two weeks ago in Bedminster, and he said, they come after you. They come after your family. They come after your attorney. They come after the attorney-client privilege. By the time you're done, you lose your house. And you just have to take a plea deal. So it's you know it's more than just the fines, right? And it's yeah. uh, well, uh, terrible. That, yeah, that the the punishment is the is the uh, is the lawsuit. That's the, process, the punishment, right? right? Yeah. Process is the punishment. Yeah, yeah. that's the yeah. way they want to hurt you because they, they they and and that's you know what. Two can play that game. You want to pass that? Fine. I'm sure we'll find many people on the other side who will accuse. The leftist Marxist radical lunatics on the left are doing the exact same stuff. And if you want to go to court and lose that that, that way too, we can play at that game. Like, like, like you know, we've been saying, you got to play 
on yeah. there. You, you want to set the rules? Fine. These are the rules. You got to obey them, too. And imagine what happens when all of a sudden they're accused. You could just make a joke online. And if somebody doesn't feel comfortable, you know, prove, you know, the onus is on me as the defendant to prove that I didn't do this. It's the right. other way around. Which is impossible. Backwards. Right? It's impossible. My yeah. friend criticized a coffee joint for being a bunch of uh, millennial, you know, uh, lightweights. And, you know, he lost his job. They left community and they, they all got together and they just get, they gang up on you and you have no shot once they out you. Well, I know you met some nice people in Michigan, though. Yeah, great one, people. One particularly. Uh, Marjean Wilson and our wonderful husband, a big RAF fan. She goes around. She makes these magnets. We you have a picture, picture of her. Uh, she makes magnets, and she puts them on, like, cars and bathroom stalls that are RAV magnets. So maybe RAV can add that to their store. She had a great idea. Wonderful people. Uh, true patriots. Love 6B. Love 6B. And a shout-out to Marjean Wilson. All right. Very good. Shout-out to her. David Zier, thank you very much. More with him before the end of the show. More news and sports coming up as well. Ilya Shapiro's take on the Supreme Court decision today when we get back right after this. Thirty minutes past the hour, live from Studio Six B. David Zier sitting in with us. Delgado's doing news. Slickrick's doing sports. Aaron Friend holding it down on a Tuesday night. Real America's Voice. Glad you're a part of the show, as always. So Ilya Shapiro has uh, his take on this uh, Supreme Court uh, ruling today, and he says on this Moore v. Harper SCOTUS election law ruling. Although this ruling will be hailed as a huge loss for conservatives. It's very much a middle-of-the-road decision which says that state courts still have a role to play in interpreting state constitutional provisions, but they can go too far, and there's a federal court backstop. In Chief Justice Roberts' words, the Supreme Court, quote, has an obligation to ensure that state court interpretations of state law do not evade federal law, end quote. The ruling thus reinforces the view that federal election law is ultimately policed by federal courts. So, quote, state courts may not transgress the ordinary bounds of judicial review such that they arrogate to themselves the power vested in the state legislatures to regulate federal elections. But then the court declines to adopt a standard for determining when state courts cross the line or even say whether the, New York, uh, the North Carolina court did so here. Anyone looking for guidance in evaluating whether what a state Supreme Court does ahead of the 2024 election is constitutionally kosher will have to wait until the justices are forced to make that hard balls and strikes call that the chief justice referenced at his confirmation hearings. 
And uh, and by the by, the voting lineups from today's three decisions and the statistics for justices most often in the majority this term belie the narrative that we have an extreme right-wing court. Clearly, we don't. That won't change regardless how the remaining high-profile cases come down. So I guess a little different take. <clears throat> Uh, basically saying that when you actually get into the, when you actually read it, they have put in this federal backstop. But uh, I, I don't, I don't know how, how I don't know how else to look at it other than just judicial folly. Well, I, I can kind of understand it because as I was reading some of it about uh, some some things about that, they mentioned the New York um, redistricting uh, that got overturned. Um. So it kind of kind of points that out that look because of this, you know, New York was able to overturn what the Democrats wanted to do, and you know, I, I guess it's trying to not let one party just make these crazy, you know, redistricting lines that you know go up, and it's it, it just I think they're trying to eliminate that lunacy. If you've ever looked at some of these redistricting maps, it looks like it could be like you know your kid made a turkey in class. And yeah. that's how they try to do it, so they get all the voters they want. Well, the Democrat plan right. here, was, yeah, it, it went State. like all the way through the heart of Long Island, like yeah. an artery, and then dipped down to the yeah. south and cut out this whole district that was in favor, like plus 20 for the right. Democrats. Yeah. And that's what the Republicans beat in the courts. Yeah. So, so I think I understand what that guy was saying. It kind of, yeah. it, it, it affects both parties, because both parties really can't do, you know, those kind of crazy redistricting. Well, is it is it really a crazy or novel idea to have the party that the that that the uh, citizens of the state elected in charge, knowing this is one of their duties to draw the maps the way they want to? Yeah, but you know, right or left, if you see if you see a handprint as a as a district, they're going to be like, yeah, that seems fair. Uh, that doesn't really seem fair to me. Just you know, do it. The in gerrymandering blocks. is a Just very dirty blocks. game. I know oh, it is. Yeah. It's, it's a disgusting. Very dirty yeah, it goes game. on out here. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> A lot of backroom deals between right. the parties, yeah. both parties, and they work with each other sometimes exactly. to, like, you know. Exactly. All right, let's so. um, let's move to a couple other things. President Trump today, uh, like I said, spoke in um, New. Ham- what did you say, New Hampshire? Yeah, New Concord. Hampshire. Concord, New Hampshire. I watched the speech. We streamed it actually, and it was on Real America's Voice, of course. And afterwards, or maybe it was before. I don't know when this was taken. He did an interview, and um, I know I say this rhetorically because these things obviously don't just pop up, but. Um, we talked about this yesterday. I don't know how long it would take the Trump team to put together a um, a, a motion for a dismissal of this case, but man, they should have been working on that this morning, given this leak. So he was asked about this in this interview, and um, specifically about the audio recording and a couple other things. And here, uh, here is that interview with President Trump. Roll that. I had a whole desk full of lots of papers and mostly newspaper articles, copies of magazines, copies of different plans, copies of stories having to do with many, many subjects. And what was said was absolutely fine and very perfectly. We did nothing wrong. This is a whole hoax. This is just like the Russia, Russia, Russia deal. This is like the fake dossier. The dossier was a fake. It's all been a big fake. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. We went through these things ad nauseum, and this is seven years of this stuff, and now this one. And the one who's done it wrong is Biden. He has 850 boxes all over the place. Nobody even knows where they are. He's got many boxes in Chinatown, D.C. What are they doing there? And he's accepting money from China. He's got boxes all over the place. 
I'm covered by the Presidential Records Act. I'm covered also by the Clinton Sox case. It's a very important case. It's law. And we did absolutely nothing wrong. This is just another hoax. It's called, uh, I would say, election interference more than anything else. It's a disgrace that they can do it. Next question. But everything was fine. We did nothing wrong. And everybody knows it. You're not concerned then with your own voice on those on those recordings? My voice was fine. What did I say wrong on those recordings? I didn't even see the recording. All I know is I did nothing wrong. We had a lot of papers, a lot of papers stacked up. In fact, you could hear the rustle of the paper, and nobody said I did anything wrong other than the fake news, which, of course, is Fox, too. <laughs> Are there any other recordings that we should be concerned of? Uh, I don't know of any recordings that you should be re, uh, concerned with because I don't do things wrong. I do things right. I'm a legitimate person. I'm not like Biden that gets hundreds of millions of dollars from people and countries and says uh, we won't give a billion dollars, but you got to get rid of the prosecutor. And then guys like you don't do anything about it because <laughs> nothing happens. Now, we do things right, so I don't care about any recordings. Supreme Court earlier today, in a six to three vote, they rejected the independent state legislative theory, which allows that state lawmakers have the theory. authority theory. to uh, to set election rules with little oversight from the courts. Again, a six to three r ruling. Uh, what is your take on that? Well, that was a North Carolina case primarily, so we'll see what happens. Uh, it's election law. It's what they wanted. It's what they felt. A lot of people disagree with them. Uh, the ruling came out just a little while ago. I haven't read the ruling yet. It was, a again, a North Carolina case. Uh, we'll see how it works. In the meantime, I can say I did very well in North Carolina. I did very well in just about every place, frankly. And uh, we'll see what happens. Last week, going back to that interview with Brett Baer, you mentioned uh, that for every one of your hires that was not good, 10 were fantastic. Those were, I believe, your words last week. If you win back to presidency, is there anything, anybody in particular, uh, that you would like to see from the first administration in a second Trump administration? Well, sure. We've had a lot of people, Stephen Miller and uh, General Kellogg, and I could name so many. Uh, Rick Grinnell was fantastic. We had mostly fantastic people. I would say for every, and everybody has uh, bad ones. You have some that are good, but they turn out to be not so good. They're not courageous enough like a Bill Barr. He had no courage. Uh, but you have, uh, for every one like that, I've had, I would say, at least 10 that were great. And we rebuilt the military. We got the largest tax cuts in the history of our country. We got the largest regulation cuts in history. We had the strongest border that anybody's ever had. We've never seen a border like that, and now it's a disaster with people coming in from jails and mental institutions pouring into our country. We had the strongest southern border ever. Uh, when you think about rebuilding the military and Space Force, we added Space Force first time in 78 years. Uh, since the Air Force, actually, it, it's become very important. Now, we had a, a great administration. We didn't have a disaster like Afghanistan, where they leave $85 billion behind a 13 dead soldiers. That should have never happened. American citizens left behind. Uh, I think it was the most embarrassing moment in history. Uh, if the election weren't rigged, and I'm, you won't put it on because you're Fox, but if the election weren't rigged, you wouldn't have had the Russia disaster, the horrible, horrible situation with Ukraine. That would have never happened. Putin wouldn't have done it. And China would never be talking about Taiwan right now either, which could be the next one. There you go. <laughs> 
sure the guy yeah. from Fox Digital was happy. <laughs> you know, I thought one of the most despicable things was when Nikki Haley, you know, uh, compliments Trump on one end and then on the other end says, my husband is being deployed and I don't feel that he's safe now because of Trump's recklessness with our national security classified. <laughs> it was so horrible. Such a bunch of crap. I mean, why don't she go talk to Mike Pompeo or uh, did she talk to Pompeo over all the year? I mean, he's. He's ready to send. How about did she talk? Did she mention that General Milley was ready to send um, all of our boys to Iran and try to frame the president for wanting to go do it? I mean, yeah. that's the biggest yeah. takeaway of the whole damn tape, right? Anyways, did she have a problem with that? Just I mean, fuck. Nikki Haley. I mean, come on, please. That's, that's, that's enough. Yeah, it's like enough. I mean, just enough. Go away, please. Yeah, Take she wasn't with that. You. Yeah. Cool. Are you saying she's past her prime? She's, just, she's no. not well-received. She has a, a group of bodyguards. I was talking to a, a guy from our network, too, who was around her in the U.N. You know, she always comes through with, like, four bodyguards, and they come through the crowd. She's not a, a woman of the people. Trump will shake anybody's hand. He'll talk to anybody. He loves people. Even DeSantis is a little awkward meeting people. But Nikki Haley is not that person that Trump is. I just couldn't, I couldn't stand that comment she made, that Trump's reckless with the national security. You've got to be kidding me. No, I mean, it's, all, it's all to score political points, right? I mean, she does Nikki Haley actually think that not that that uh, Bill Barr didn't take classified information back and forth from work? Does does Nikki Haley think that every vice president didn't take classified information? Does, where's the big speech from Nikki Haley on Joe Biden on Mike Pence? Both of them got uh, caught with classified information that they weren't supposed to have. Biden still got it. Who knows where? I think he has a special counsel. He's on a milk carton. I saw him today at Seven <laughs> Eleven. Still looking for the guy. If he exists. Where, where's the big speeches on those two? I mean, the idea that Pence runs around to all these interviews in the last two weeks and talks about Trump, it's just like he forgets that he had it too. I don't care how many it was. There's nothing in the Espionage Act that has forgiveness for how many you have or how nice a guy you are or what your relationship with your wife is or how quickly you gave him back. None of that factors in. So who the hell's he? He goes on CNBC, goes on all these places. Oh, yeah, Trump, oh, Trump, oh, oh Trump. Oh, oh, oh. Well, you had it too, sir. Of course, no one asked him that. Just because you got a pass and they gave you a clean bill of uh, whatever. Only the president has sole authority yeah. to take anything he wants and even throw it out. <laughs> yeah, just, just ask right. David Petraeus. I mean, the guy's got the... What happened to him? Yeah, Nuclear good point, combination. Why, You know, what's more vital than that? Yeah. Jeez, crazy. All right, crazy. LOL of the day, Aaron. We got a little time here. Let's throw it in here right now. Uh, LOL of the day, roll that. Vice President Kamala Harris received the worst rating in the history of that NBC <laughs> poll. She had a negative net rating of 17 in her first two years of office. <laughs> Wow. That would be the worst rating. Below zero. (laughs) Wow. That's ice cold. Worst rating in the history of the poll. That's never good. That's never good. Oh, she's number one. Yeah, she's the best. She's the best at being the worst. (laughs) All right, we're back to wrap it up. New sports. A little more from David Zier right after this.
All right, 13 to the hour, live from Studio 6P. Let's do some sports with Slick Rick. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell in MyPillow. Use our code LFS6P at checkout. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, Other Big than Delgado D. being annoying. Exactly. Giving me a punch here. Look at him. Come on, do your sports. All right, here we go, Big D. Let's get to news. sports. Come on, no MMA here. Right. Let's go Reds and <laughs> Orioles right now. Major League Baseball, 2-1 to one in a ring delay. Cincinnati trying to get out of their losing ways. Uh, right now, the Pirates, 9-4 over the uh, Padres. That's in the top of the ninth. Also top nine, Giants blank in the Blue Jays, 3-zip. Marlins, 10-1 over the Red Sox, bottom nine. Top nine, Mets trying to hold on against the Brewers, up 7-2. Braves lead the Twins, oh, 6-2. <laughs> bottom. If the Mets blow a 7-2 oh tonight, Frank... 7 nothing. Frank the Tank oh. is going to be done. He's going to be done. He's going to be done. Did you see the highlights from the last game? Oh, my God. I oh, saw him. Terrible. They're terrible. Uh, be, uh, walking people, being hit, hit by bat. Oh, nah, my God. Oh yeah, bottom seven cards over the Astros, 4-2. Rangers lead the Tigers, 3-2. Bottom of the sixth. Bottom seven, Phillies over the Cubs, 5-0. Guardians and Royals, no score. Top seven. Dodgers over the Rockies, 4-0. Top of the fifth. Does anybody watch the Dodgers anymore after that, <laughs> after that abysmal performance? Uh, and the White Sox... And Angels, no score there. Yankees and A's just underway, as are the Tampa Rays and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, get to a, well, here's one big D. Elon Musk agrees to train with UFC legend George St. Pierre. Georgie St. Pierre. For a potential cage match with Mark Zuckerberg. Look at this. St. Pierre, 26 2 0, held championships in two different UFC weight classes and was inducted into the UFC's Hall of Fame class of 2020. Hands down, one of the all time greats, Big D. Uh, Lawrence Richard of Fox News reporting Twitter's Elon Musk has found a new training partner ahead of his potential battle. Uh, of the billionaire cage match with Mark Zuckerberg on Twitter Monday evening. Musk agreed to begin training with none other than UFC Hall of Famer Georgie St. Pierre. Okay, let's do it, Musk responded to the retired UFC superstar who initially posted that he is a huge fan of Musk and said it would be an absolute honor to train him. I'm a huge fan of yours and it would be an absolute honor to help you and be your training partner for the challenge against Zuckerberg, he tweeted. And uh, anyway, we're going to see, Big D. Maybe <laughs> this thing is starting to grow some some legs. I mean, Dana White said this could be one of the all-time biggest matches of all time. And uh, I, But you know, it's funny. Um, Errol Musk, who's Elon's dad, had said earlier today that this is a lose-lose for him. If he ends up beating Zuckerberg, he's going to be considered a bully. And if he loses... No, he It'll be the end. So I don't know what his mom says. He's not. Uh, she's not going to let it happen. Musk's mom. May. Oh yeah. I think it's May Musk. Mommy Musk. Oh, It'll be not, like oh, one of those flops, in. like Fox used to have celebrity boxing or whatever the heck oh, yeah, was right. on there. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I don't see it happening. So I think, ah, well, I think we'll Saint see. Pierre also just lost his Facebook page. Oh, boy. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'm sure he did. I'm kidding. I, All right. I, I, anyway, uh, 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 there was an English pro hockey uh, player, Alex Graham. He died at 20. No cause given. Unfortunately, young man plays hockey in England, and uh, professional hockey, that is. And uh, he uh, he passed away. He played for the Sheffield Steelers. So, one another, just another COVID casualty or another vaccination casualty, I should say, perhaps. Uh, you know, of course, I'm surmising. I've got a theory here. But, oh, good. Uh, you know, I'm being like Rick. But anyway, Big D, that's a rapid sports. Back to you. All right, Slick Rick. Thanks very much. Sports is brought to you by MyPillow and Mike Lindell. Use our code LFS6B when you shop there. 
David Zier, give me your last thoughts on uh, what else is on your yeah, mind. Yeah, Scott Lepato's a friend, patriot artist, activist, filmmaker, street artist. He did the, the blue line down the Staten Island Expressway in defense of the cops during the uh, George Floyd riots. Uh, great guy at a pizza party. If we have any footage of that, he threw four pizzas because New York City wants to expand their 2015 law and fine restaurants. It's a money grab yeah. who make uh, wood-fired and coal-fired pizza. And you'd have to uh, have 849 hours uh uh, for an oven running just to take one uh, to match one trip by John Kerry and his Learjet to Davos. Um, and he threw the pizza over the fence. He didn't get arrested. The cops like him. I uh, just got a summons, but he's a really great guy. And according to NYPD's Comstat 2.0 today, there were over 12,000 city goers who've been assaulted just year to date. And grand larceny order was up a whopping 18% year to date while the city rots. People step over bodies in the crosswalks on the way to Starbucks and they're worried about coal fired pizza. It's a, it's all a joke. And I spoke to Lebedo at length today, and he just, you know, was really upset. But now the mayor wants to have a pizza summit. And then uh, to, to sum it up, you know, Obama's failed beer summit in 09 was an embarrassment when he took the sides of the guy over the white police officer who arrested the black professor from Harvard. That was a failure. Mayor wants to have a pizza uh, summit. And Scott Lebedo said he won't go unless he can go with the pizza owners of New York. And he made it perfectly clear that Adams is a vegan and he will not serve or bring a pineapple pizza <laughs> or any vegan pizza to the summit. And, and don't and bring Chris it. Christie that's to the story. summit either. Bring Dave Portnoy with you. Did you see Portnoy's rant on this? Now, Portnoy, yeah, he was great. He's done a lot for small business in New York, raised a lot of money for small business all over the country, and obviously he's very well known for his pizza reviews, and he does thousands of, he's done thousands of pizza places, so his pizza reviews. Yeah. And, uh, of course, um, he was blasting the Adams. sports has made a couple hundred million dollars selling it and uh, still does his pizza reviews. And he went on a rant yesterday about small business and pizza and all that in New York. And um, so he, he, I'm sure he would team up, too, and go to the pizza summit, to the pizza summit. <laughs> this could so. be the new 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 uh, meaning of Pizzagate. I don't know. Yeah. All right, very good. Anything else, David Zier? Is that pretty much it? Uh, I got more, but next time I'm on. All right, very good. Um, Rick Delgado, what else is in the news we haven't touched on tonight? All right, real quick, something to keep uh, keep an eye on. House Republicans are moving to effectively strip security clearances from any of the intelligence or defense officials who signed on to that October 2020 statement that raised questions about the release of Hunter Biden's emails as part of the uh, Hunter Biden laptop as part of a Russian disinformation campaign. It's part of a much larger funding U.S. defense bill and Republicans on the House Appropriations Subcommittee on Defense proposed prohibiting any funding, grant, renew, or maintain a security clearance for any official who signed the statement. That includes the, of course, the former, former intel officials, including CIA directors Mike Hayden, Leon Panetta, and John Brennan, who signed the letters about the uh, newly discovered, of course, New York Post story when it broke. Um bunch of other guys that we may have, uh, I think we've mentioned a bunch, um, that are caught up in that list of 50. The letter did not propose any evidence of Russian action or even explicitly suggests that Moscow was behind the story. Rather, the letter said the circumstances surrounding the publication raised significant doubt. We want to emphasize we don't know, do not know if the emails provided, blah, blah, blah. Um, they wrote in the letter, of course, years later, the Washington Post commissioned two security experts who verified the thousands of emails on the hard drive, including 
Biden's emails, photos, other messages, and messages we're starting to see come out now as we're finding out more and more about the tax case that he got a sweetheart deal in. The inclusion is also a so-called policy. Um, uh, oh, I lost my place. Oh, policy riders in much larger funding bills, which are commonplace in, in Washington, especially bills funding U.S. troops and the Pentagon. So they want to write this in and strip these guys of their security clearance, and it's about freaking time. So, yeah. Is that it? I think that's it for news. Okay. okay. Am I supposed to? I'm not a mind reader, so... Um. <laughs> Uh, a couple things. <laughs> silence. I just, I don't know. Well, you didn't comment. I thought you had something what? to say. Well, no, no, I didn't have anything All right. A U.S. Say. approves chicken made from cultivated cells. You want to hear about that disgusting story? <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> I thought you were an Arby's guy. <laughs> I was. Where's the beef? But it turns out these guys have the meats in, in California, lab-grown meat. And the meat sweats. And they're ready to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll be running for the border, okay? Um, <laughs> running for the bathroom. Exactly. Uh, the show, the, the agriculture department. The ah, forget. I'll save this one to, to, tomorrow night so I can gross you out. We'll be holding it. Oh. <laughs> hold it till then, yes. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat for oh, tomorrow man. night. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. It's, it's, about, uh, it's about, you know, foul. So I'll be doing the duck walk on this one until tomorrow. Oh, man. Oh, man. Make sure you're here at 801 tomorrow night. <laughs> We're gonna lead lead with the uh <laughs> Rick's a real Big quack drop. He's a real quack tonight. <laughs> what? As always, we salute uh, I don't know, whoever. Uh, all of you. Yeah, we salute, come on, we salute, oh, we salute all of you. Cluck, cluck, cluck. Oh my god. We'll see you tomorrow night live from Studio 6B. Oh, man.